Hey, what's going on, everyone? AJ Vopel here from the Fitting Room Podcast. So Nate and I are working on some amazing new episodes that are not ready quite yet. So in the meantime, take a listen to one of our favorite episodes that we've done, and that was our interview with none other than Phil Mickelson himself back in February 2016, where he told us how clubs make it into his bag, told us all about his extensive fitting techniques, including one that we couldn't really believe, to be honest with you. Uh, So take a listen. We'll be back with some new episodes soon. Until then, we'll see you later. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I am AJ Vopel. And I'm Nate Adelman, and this is The Fitting Room. That's right. And Nate, if people still aren't familiar with The Fitting Room, we've done a lot of episodes so far. Uh, It's where we dive headfirst into the world of custom fitting. We bring on, we're fortunate enough uh, to be able to bring on the foremost experts in fitting and equipment, and they drop some knowledge on us pretty much, and we learn a ton of great stuff. Is that right? That's right. We have two types of episodes. We have the full-length episodes where at the very end we'll answer questions from the Callaway community. So if you head to callawaygolf.com slash community, ask any question you want on the fitting corner, and the best questions we'll answer here on the show. Absolutely. And, and then we have the bonus editions. In the bonus editions, we take a deep dive into someone's golf bag in particular, um, and usually they're a little shorter in length. Right. And AJ, let me tell you something. There are <laughs> bonus editions. And there are bonus editions. You guys, you, you guys can't see it, but Nate has this giant smirk on his face. Uh, he's smiling from ear to ear right now. It's it's a little creepy, but it's not it's not that bad. Why? What what uh, what are you so excited about over there today, AJ? We're going to dive deep into one of the most high profile bags on tour. Oh boy, this guy is very particular about his equipment, um, and he happens to be big and left handed and walking in the door right now. Holy cow, you guys! We have Phil Mickelson walking in the podcast studio right now, sitting right to my left. Phil, thanks so much for uh, stopping by our little podcast studio. Uh, I'm happy to be here. You guys do a great job on explaining how to how to play your best golf. Awesome, awesome. So uh, today what Nate and I want to talk about and uh, all, for all our listeners is kind of the, the vetting process that you go through for new clubs to land in your bag. So, um, you know, I... I read a New York Times food critic, Pete Wells, all the time, and he goes to a restaurant five or six times before he actually writes the review about it. Um, so you know, he gets comfortable, gets familiar with it. What's your process like in determining whether a new club is going to make it into your bag? The best way to determine um, each club in your bag, what you want to have each club have the same characteristics, meaning... Uh, if you miss it, it should miss the same way every time, whether it's driver, three wood, iron, all the way through. The best way to do it is to blind test because uh, blind testing, what it's a process where you wear goggles over your eyes where at impact they go dark or you have somebody put a uh, like a, a sign or a board in front of your eyes where you cannot see where the ball goes. The reason this is important is once you see a ball hook, you instinctively – uh, make a change to your to your swing. You kind right. of hold the face a little bit more through impact, and you start making adjustments. But you don't want to adjust all four. You want all 14 clubs to be the same. So right. blind testing with Dave Pels is how I ultimately get each club dialed in and play my best. So we'll go out and you know, we'll put goggles on. I'll have somebody, three people, me, myself, Dave Pels, and Eddie Pels usually are somebody behind charting where each shot oh, went. Wow. And then in impact, I say, okay, that was a good swing. That wasn't a good swing, what have you. Now, what we'll notice is there will be a segment or a series of shots from one of the clubs that is consistently hooked or consistently sliced. Right. And then we have to make an adjustment. If it's an iron, the first thing I do is adjust the lie. And if that works, great. That's usually a simple fix. But if I start getting a sporadic uh, 
uh, displacement of uh, dispersion of shots, one you know hooks and fades. When I say hey, that was a good shot, mm-hmm. then we go to the shaft and we just reshaft it and start start new. Uh, because sometimes you'll just get a, a, a bad shaft, one that's a, a different frequency or just doesn't quite flex right or whatever. So that's the, the most efficient way to do it, and I try to do that once a year with Dave. When I get a, a new club and I don't want to go through that process, I hit one shot with it. And as soon as I hit a, uh, I'll hit one uh, shot with a hybrid, I'll go hit a 7-iron. I'll hit another shot with a hybrid, I'll hit a 5-iron. I'll go back and forth. I won't hit more than one shot oh, wow. because I'm making an adjustment. Right. So if I get the shot, that first shot to go well, I know that we're on to something. If it starts leaking one way consistently after I, you know, two or three shots, I won't even waste my time. It's a, it's something's wrong with it. Well, you know, it's not going to, to be the right fit. If I hit a good five iron, hybrid to the left. Another good five iron, hybrid to the left. Well, then there's a problem with that that hybrid. I don't, I don't want it. Right. Now, now when you're going through each club one by one, might you find that uh, when you adjust the lie angle that you'll have different lie angles for each club? And what I mean is not all of them will be one flat. It'll be one might be two flat, one might be one and a half flat. Uh, and that doesn't matter as long as that particular club is going the w- releasing the way you want it to. Yes, as long as it's the same with all the other clubs. I don't care if they're all two degrees upright or, or what. Uh, what I care about is that each individual club conf- uh, performs consistently with each other club in in the bag, and as we all know, each club has kind of its own personality, its own right. characteristic. Uh, whether it's a driver that wants to draw or wants to go high or wants to be hot or r- low runners, mm-hmm. it all has its own personality. We want to have the misses be the same with the all the way through. How many times do we go out and we play around a round of golf and say, "I drove it great, <laughs> hit my irons terrible," or yeah, I, right, "My irons right. were great, I just couldn't drive it." Hundred percent, right? Me every time, yeah. and, <laughs> and that's the problem. We're not getting all of those clubs matched up. Yeah. Surprisingly, high handicappers are just as consistent or s- close to as consistent as good pros with their golf swing. Now, it's not a good golf swing, right. but they're consistent with it. And if they can get clubs that fit uh, their consistently poor swing, they can actually hit reasonable shots. The problem is, again, if we don't have all 14 clubs or all 13 clubs, and I'm going to count a putter, right. to, to be consistent, then then that's going to throw them off too. And now how long does this process usually take you? Uh, do you do it a couple times, or is it just like that one-shot deal where you're kind of like, no, all right, this is this is the right club, this is the right iron? I'll hit about uh, five to ten uh, shots that I deem good. So if I say, okay, that was a good one, let's count that. Okay. Now, again, I haven't seen where the ball went. I just know that this feels like a good swing. Uh, so I can probably do the entire set within an hour and a half or so, mm-hmm. and then I'll do that for a couple of days. Yeah. You just want to make sure that your swing is right and, and so forth. So mm-hmm. uh, when when I feel and, – and here's the other thing. I'll do it when I'm playing well. I'm not going to do it when I'm playing bad. Right. Also, I'm going to get my swing on film, not when I'm playing bad like everybody else. I'm going to do it when I'm playing good <laughs> right. so right. I have a reference, right? Yeah, of course. If everybody who was playing great went down and got their swing on film when they're playing great, mm-hmm. then when they're playing bad, they have a reference to compare and say, oh, I was a little flatter or I'm a little more upright there or, mm-hmm. or my head didn't move or whatever. You have, you have something to see. But we only video when we're not playing well and say, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? Right. And we don't have that reference to, to say, oh, that's when I was playing great. Fortunately, on tour, you know, you get to have YouTube and, and telecast yeah, and all right, these things. Right. So you see it so all. I have yeah. all those swings when I was exactly. playing some of my best golf. I don't have to go, to go you know, a special trip to 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 film it. Yeah. Now, now besides the goggles, do you use any other technology during the fitting process, whether it be launch monitors or anything else along the way? I do, but it's usually a secondary thing for me. I'm not using the uh, launch monitors or uh, shot uh, TrackMan as yeah. my primary first 
go-to source. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use my eyes and my feel first, and then wow. uh, I'm going to use it more as validation for, for what I'm seeing. Even with driver spin, for example. Yes, because uh, you know you have variables such, such as temperature, altitude, uh, 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 T height. I, I, I'm not sure some of the variables, but you know right. t- the ball is going to, as well as a difference in golf balls, that is going to change those those numbers on on the machine. So I'd rather just go out and have it uh, on the golf course, see if it's doing what I want or not. That's ultimately the test because you only get one shot on the golf course. Driving right. range, it's tough to tell. But uh, you also you get crosswinds, and it's tough to tell in that. So it's uh, it, it's very difficult uh, without just playing playing around a golf. It's easiest for me to tell if I like a club or not when I go play. I only hit it two or three times, and I see if I like it. Right. And now, will you? How often do, will you check your lie angles or your lofts or anything? Will grip you check size. them before? Yeah, grip size. Will you check them all before uh, tournaments, or how does that work? I don't because the the loft and lie machines that read. Uh, vary. They're oh, not. Okay. They're not all the same. So right. you have to use the same loft and line machine. Right. Okay. Because the one on the tour <laughs> van is different than the one here in the office, and yeah. the one at my house is different than the one. And those, they just all read a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the best way for me to tell is when I go out and I practice and I hit. Uh, I, I try to hit my towels or hit my yardage numbers. You know, I try to hit a 130-yard wedge or 145-yard 9-iron. And if my 130-yard wedge is on but my 145-yard 9-iron is going long, I know yeah. my, that my 9-iron got a little bit strong. Uh, as long as I'm hitting all the other numbers right and one club is off a couple of yards, it's easy to pick up on that. Right. So you're talking a lot about feel and everything. Would you recommend that um, just uh, general consumers and general golfers uh, get fit outside so they could uh, see the flight or – um, does it not really make a difference, or because you know you're you're talking a lot about feel and actually seeing the shots? It's a uh, it's a more thorough process for for me to get a, a club in my bag and to get the confidence with it and trust and know the idiosyncrasies of that club than it is say uh, a player that's playing golfer as a hobby and so right. forth. So it is probably better, in my opinion, to go to a fitting center and use all the technology as the uh, primary source of discerning if it's the right club but then go outside to make sure that that's the case because a lot of times in the in the process of being tested your swing gets a little bit faster your swing gets a little bit uh you get a little bit quicker you get a little bit uh different than when you're out you know playing so you might get close in indoors with the technology doesn't mean you're going to get it exact and the best way again to tell is when you just go out and play yeah now, each week we see online, you know, spy picks of what's in the bag this week. And one of the things that we, we see a lot is the creative use of, of lead tape. Can you talk a little bit about what what drives you to put the tape where and what where the placement affects performance? So a lot of uh, golfers are shaft sensitive and a lot of golfers are head sensitive. I am not very shaft sensitive. If we put four or five different shafts that were reasonably close, I'm not going to be able to tell them apart. But if you put one strip of lead tape on the heel of the club, I'm going to notice it draw more. So the lead tape will slow down the heel, increasing the speed of the toe, which causes it to draw more. Put it on the toe, it slows down the rotation of the toe, causes it to to, to hit a push or a fade. Uh, and I'm actually able to – I'm sensitive enough to notice a slight difference, especially in the longer stuff right. with uh, uh, even a strip of lead tape uh, out on the heel or the toe. Now, is it the same with the wedges as well? Not so much because the spin rate is so high with the wedges that it's difficult to discern a 200 RPM uh, side spin when you're spinning at 9,000 RPMs right. as opposed to 
2400 rpm so right. the it, it's much more difficult to see a huge difference with lead tape on the wedges and now as far as building your clubs um we know garrett is one of your main club builders right he is absolutely, and and is there is there something that that he does uh, specifically uh, that you like uh, you know, better than anybody else, or like, what? What's does that he moisturize? Kind of... You know, right. use a lot of lotions. <laughs> he's got good hands. Um, he's just good at what he does, yeah. uh, and I just uh, trust him. He knows what I like. He knows how when I give him feedback on clubs. Uh, this draws too much. Well, that's rare. It, it, this fades too much or doesn't draw enough. He knows what I'm looking for, and he keeps notes on what all my current sets are, loft and lies, yeah. so that we have a good starting point so that it's not a lot of work. Mm. Uh, that Usually I don't have to make very much adjustment, if any at all, uh, and they're soft adjustments. But if we, you know, he gave me a random set that was off a little bit or inconsistent, it could be a, a, quite a long process. Nice. But we have Garrett regrip the bats on our company softball team too. Right. So He's we also know that. He's also a great first baseman. Yeah, so he'll be dialed for us. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a pretty interesting a guy and a great athlete. But uh, you know, he's been through a lot of challenges in his life, and he's mm -hmm. a very young guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but th those are the kind of people that you respect and you you, you look at with a certain admiration and inspiration. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, finally, do you get over to the ECPC as often as you'd like? I don't have a rigid schedule. As yeah. To how many times <laughs> I, I go out there? Uh, mm -hmm. I have a practice facility at my house, and I also am a okay. member of a number of courses. So I right. do most of my practice elsewhere, not at the test center. I mm -hmm. also, you know, you only have it's a, a area where you only have so much turf, and it's there to to get fitted for clubs. It's not right. there for pros to to come out and practice. practice and so right. you got to be respectful of that. But mm -hmm. I always call Randy before I go to make sure that it's okay, make mm -hmm. sure that uh, it's it's all right to come out there. The nice thing is I have my own key card, so I'm able to slide <laughs> in. And out. Nice. And I'm uh, still working on getting my badge still. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> that that really is a nice feature. Not not having They'll to call when you get in. to the no. gate and and uh, being able to get into the tour tour room and, yeah. without having to knock. Those oh, are, yeah. It's a little touch, but it's nice. Yeah. I'll get out there a few times early in the season, and I actually am there most in uh, October, November, December. Right. And they're most because I want to get my clubs fitted and right in that time so that when January comes around, I've taken a month off and haven't been playing as much that I know that it's already ready. So after the Ryder Cup comes about or the, last year the President's Cup, I'll spend the next two to six weeks getting all my equipment right for the coming year so my mm -hmm. game will actually still be sharp uh, during that time period when I take time off in December mm -hmm. uh, before January. Well, uh, it was obviously sharp uh, at the very beginning of the season um, yeah. over in La Quinta, so that was uh, really awesome, really yeah. great to see. Yeah, and we uh, are really excited about following you this season yeah. and uh, just keep keeping in, uh, keeping track of how, how well you do. Yeah. Well, thanks, Nate and AJ. It's going to be a great year. I'm uh, really excited about the time and the stuff I've done in the off season uh, with my swing fundamentally, with my equipment. Uh, we've got uh, some great things going on here at Callaway <laughs> that uh, yeah. I'm very excited about that allows me to stay on the tee and make me feel like I have an edge. Awesome. Excellent. Well, Phil, thanks so much again. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thanks. thanks. thanks All right. AJ. Take care. Well, Nate, that was uh, Phil Mickelson, you know, only one of the most popular golfers in the world on our Fitting Room podcast. How uh, how you feeling right now, buddy? I don't even know where to start. <laughs> that was that was amazing. I learned so much stuff. Uh, What's one thing you learned? I think the biggest takeaway that I had that I think a lot of golfers can benefit from is not being so dead set on having every club two degrees up or one degree flat or mm -hmm. uh, two degrees weak. You know, uh, treat each club as an independent club. And if one club's going left, then yeah. you know put a little put a little flatter. If one club's going right, put a little more upright. Right. And uh, I think that that's uh, a great approach that a lot of golfers can benefit from. Yeah, that was pretty good. I think I learned that. Um, 
when I'm testing new clubs or getting fit for clubs, I'm just going to close my eyes and just hit and see what happens yeah. <laughs> and then have people tell me trust, the results. Yeah, trust yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Trust myself more. Yeah. Uh, get to feel more. Um, what he was saying about his blind testing, I mean, that was yeah. just like, that was just fascinating what, what I was yeah. listening to. So um, so that's uh, that's it for this podcast. But you could catch the next podcast in two weeks. We do it every other week. Um, and if you have any questions at all, remember, uh, callawaygolf.com slash community. Uh, ask them in the fitting corner. And we also have some really, really unique uh, club testing opportunities yep. where we send out brand new golf clubs before anybody hits them uh, to regular consumers. They review them for us, uh, honest reviews, and they get posted to our website. Uh, it's a really cool process. And then, Nate, what's your Twitter handle if somebody wants to hit you up? Uh, Nadelman, N-A-Y-D-E-L-M-A-N-C-G. Awesome. And yours? And I'm A.J. Vopel. That's V-O-E-L-P-E-L-C-G. Um, so hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the show. And until next time, we'll see you later.